0: This is the Heart to Heart Foundation podcast. It will be covering a walk from the geographic centre of Australia to the centre of the nation's capital in Canberra to raise awareness of the mental health issues faced by our first responders. We ask a lot of the people in our police, emergency services and all frontline workers. That takes a big toll on them and their families, which is why this walk is happening. These are just everyday people that have to do extraordinary things. These people are just like my dad.
1: Welcome Heart to Heart Walk listeners. This is a special episode with a person that we've spoken quite a bit about in the background at the Heart to Heart Walk planning group. And finally, we've found you. So I'd like to welcome Simone Haig, ASM, a paramedic from Tasmania, who has a very interesting backstory to the Senate inquiry that is literally the centerpiece of what the walk's all about. So welcome, Simone.
0: Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, look, thanks so much for coming on. And um, yeah, I mean, wow, your work that you did previously has, you know, pulled a lot of people together, doing a lot of amazing work right now. So thanks very much, right from the outset, for uh, for what you what you kicked off.
0: No worries.
1: Tell us a little bit about life as a paramedic in Tasmania.
0: Ah, uh, so a little bit of history on me. I started in ambulance Tasmania, which was back in the day was Tasmanian ambulance service in. 2002 as a volunteer ambulance officer, got a job as a student ambulance officer through the apprenticeship program, which not many services do anymore, and qualified as, that was 2005, and qualified as a paramedic early 2009, and 2011 became an intensive care paramedic, and on that course uh, met one of my good friends, Damien Crump, very smart guy, great, and also got me into the breed of dog that I'm into, which is Waimaranas, so
1: yeah, right. Yeah. Hey, listen, tell me Tell me a bit about the volunteer side of things. I didn't realise, I know some jurisdictions have, I guess, their primary response being volunteer. And I know in New South Wales, there's a little bit of a hybrid of that going on in some regional areas where they've got the RFS members doing uh, like medical first response as a gap. But yeah, tell us a little bit about that volunteer start that you had.
0: So when I started as a volunteer, um, the service was much smaller than what is now. So actually it's here at the station that I'm at now, which is a fully professional station now, was what we called a branch station. So it would be a paramedic working with a volunteer and that's how the crew was set up. There was a couple of professional stations at either end of the coast or on the coast Um, and this station had a paramedic and volunteer. But we also have, I don't know if we've got many left now, there's not very many left now, but we used to have stations that were purely volunteer as well. But this yeah, right. was called a, a branch station, so
1: you worked with a paramedic. Yeah, and so whereabouts are you actually based in Tassie? I'm um, in
0: Olveston, which is on the
1: northwest coast. Northwest, yeah, right. Yeah. Ah, uh, the west, the wild west coast, I love it. It's uh, yeah. I, I spent a bit of time down there, I don't know, maybe six or something years ago, we had a camping Christmas holiday around Tasmania for about five weeks, and uh, yeah. man, the west coast didn't disappoint. Windy, no. yeah, wild well, weather. Yeah. yeah, I loved it. It was fantastic. <laughs> I've worked quite a bit
0: down there, yeah.
1: Have you? Yeah, yeah, gee, yeah. Geez, the winters must. Uh, yeah, wow, well, <laughs> that's uh, yeah. that's a that's a tough operating environment. So, the dogs. Yes. You've mentioned them nice and early in the piece, and I know yes. what my dogs mean to me. So, just tell us a little bit about them. Uh, <laughs> so, coffee cups and everything <laughs> for the listeners. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> so, I've got two Weimaraners, which um, are basically, you know, every dog's a therapy dog. They're my therapy yeah. dogs. So. Um, when I did the ICP course, as I mentioned, I became friends with Damien and he's like, oh, you need to come and meet my dog. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I was never really a dog person before. it's a cat person. And anyway, I went over to visit him and I met his dog, which was a Weimaraner called Link. And that was it. I was just in love with the breed. And so I've had Weimaraners ever since, really. I don't
1: know. what I've, I don't think I've ever seen one. Are they little dogs or? No, they're big dogs. Right. I yeah, don't think then, I've ever uh, heard of that. Breed.
0: Yeah,
1: German hunting dog. They're oh, grey. No. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. There and you go. I didn't. That's uh, something I've learned today. So, Simone, could you tell us a little bit about? Other places in Tassie that you've worked, and you know, primarily, have you been on the road, or um, you know, what, what's your role entailed down there?
0: Um, I've tell a few things, so I basically work on the northwest coast, I, and that encompasses a massive area um, through down to the uh, west coast of Tassie. So I've worked uh, predominantly in a sort of a semi-urban, semi-rural area here. I work out of Devonport, It's where I'm based. But I also have done other roles such as Branch Relief, which is working with volunteers down on the West Coast in Zeehan. I've spent quite a lot of time down there. I've also had times where I've worked in education uh, as a paramedic educator and I'm currently working in clinical services as the coordinator of clinical practice. Yeah, right. At the moment I've got a shoulder injury, which I've had for a couple of years now. Oh. So I'm back on full-time work and fortunately... Got this position, which sort of helps with the recovery as well, because I'm not on road lifting and pushing and doing things like that.
1: Yeah, Yeah, actually, that's something I didn't Mm. realise. I've I've had lots of ambulance friends during my career, but a couple of the guys that I know at the moment uh, in some of the uh, the group stuff that I'm I'm involved in. Yeah, I didn't realise the the injuries that Mm. you know are pretty pretty common in the uh, in the ambulance game from that awkward position lifting constantly. Yeah, and And nurses too. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
0: The lifting's improved a lot. We've now got the electric stretchers and things like that, but, you know, we didn't have those for the last 20 years that I've been in the service. Yeah, of course. it's Yeah, lots of injuries.
1: Yeah, wow. I hope they're getting onto that. Um, So, listen, I I know you've been involved in a couple of, well, I suppose, boards and associations with, like, focused on ambulatory care. So could you just give us a little bit of a rundown on what you do outside of work or, you know, associated with, but, you know, not not in your role? directly as, as what you're doing at the moment.
0: Yeah, so in 2012, 2014, actually, I was uh, elected to the board of Paramedics Australasia, which is the peak professional body for paramedicine. In 2019, we had a merger with Australian and New Zealand College of Paramedics, and we formed the Australasian College of Paramedicine. So there's one peak body to cover all paramedics in the country, and right. I was selected to be on the merger committee for that and then onto the board for ACP, which I'm still a board member for, um, which there's varying roles I've had there. Um, I was elected vice president of PA um, before we merged and I was elected the inaugural vice chair of ACP. Now I'm a board member um, and I also am the chair of the Future of Paramedicine Working Group and the chair of the awards and recognition committee for ACP. Yeah, I do a little bit. Um, (laughs) In my other spare time, I'm also um, the just elected last year the President of the Ambulance Executive Sub-Branch of the Health and Community Services Union here in Tasmania. So we look after all the paramedics in Tasmania. So um, we're currently going through EBA negotiations, so that's been taken up the last few months. Yeah, Quite hectic, as you can imagine. And through that role, I'm also on the national... Um, councils of the Australasian Council of Ambulance Unions, which is, has representative from all the unions throughout, yeah, there. right. Um, actually, I think, Museums. um,
1: Billy Brooks, who I've spoken to on the podcast before, I think he's part of the same thing, I'm yes, sure. Yes, I
0: think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. can't, I can't really remember who's on there at the moment because yeah. it's just been on an, the yeah, I'm sure infection.
1: he's mentioned, he's, I'm sure he's mentioned, uh, that exact, yeah, I'm sure he's on yep. the same group, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, well, you've had a pretty hectic, uh, a very, very hectic and very consumed. You know, recent recent lifetime.
0: Yeah, it's been going a little while. So, the union, de- I was been a, on the executive of the union uh, since twenty twelve. Right. Um, or maybe even twenty eleven. I think it was not long after becoming So It might be twenty eleven actually. Yeah, it'd be twelve years. Um, and yeah, then the before I did the PA board, I was actually the state chair, and then there's before that the state um, deputy chair. So I've been yeah, involved right. since the very beginning. Wow. Of my career, yeah
1: yeah yeah wow actually that's another that's another whole interesting uh, discussion I've got coming up with a with a another guest about how absorbing I guess you, this these careers can be for your own identity and and you know you're you're obviously working full time in the field and then you've got all these other other associated um, activities that you're doing that are fully involved in what you're doing in your career and uh, yeah about how complex that can be. Uh, you yeah. know, from from that point of view of, um, uh, you know, just you know the identity, the the massive consumption of your your identity that's tied up with your work. It's really it's a really interesting thing I've uh, yeah. I've started to learn about. So the main reason I guess that we're talking to you today is what we what we've come to learn about how the the 2019 Senate report. Came about, so I understand that uh, your uh, a lot of what drives you is because of, uh, I guess, what's happened around you and and unf- the unfortunate side of suicide, uh, work-related suicide that that's affected you. So could you just tell us a little bit about what happened in two thousand and sixteen?
0: Yeah. So. I'll just preface this with: This isn't the first workplace suicide I've had in my time that I've been in this job here. This yep. is the third. Um, but in 2016, Damien, who I mentioned before, took his own life a couple of days before Christmas. Wow. Um, yeah. It, there's a lot. There's a lot going around. The silicrinal inquest happening at the moment. And um, there's a lot of sort of. It's really complex, but yeah, that was sort of. That with the other suicides and there was also quite a lot of suicides happening not just in ambulance but police and fire, not just in Tasmania but mm. nationally because obviously mm. through my other roles nationally I can, I'm can i quite involved with stuff and very heavily passionate about mental health before all of this happened yeah. and it was like, oh, something needs to be done but I didn't really know what I could do. So yeah. it was, you know, like I was part of the mental health and wellbeing for PA, you know, and then I, we were doing the survive and thrive symposiums and doing all that sort of stuff. But there was no, I didn't really know how we could actually make change, like bringing, like just seeing what's happened, like just with Damien and how it's affected everybody. Like it's, it was, had a profound effect on oh. all of the staff here. So it's not just about his suicide. It's also about the profound effect on everybody that's, also involved within the profession. Like, and it affects, if there's a suicide in Ambulance Victoria, it still affects us. Like, you you still think about it and you think about what you've been through. So I just, I didn't really know what we could do to help change that and it never, it didn't really occur to me till the end of um, probably 2017 that I, it just popped into my mind while I was at a, um, a Christmas function that ah, oh, I wonder how you get a senate inquiry because I know mm-hmm. that we'd had a senate inquiry for paramedic registration, and so I was like, oh, that, that they, like, they they did that. It was a day; it wasn't too much, you know. It was nothing too like big, but yeah. it was important, and it helped push along paramedic registration, and we've got national paramedic registration yeah, through APRA. Yeah. So I just happened; it just popped into my head. And I thought, oh, I'll ask Anne. And I thought thought it was a stupid question. Um, And I just went up to her and I said, how do you, how does someone start a Senate inquiry? She goes, you talk to a Senator.
1: Yeah. How easy is that? And and that's Senator Anne Urquhart you're talking about. Yeah, it is.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And then that's where it all started. But it was all, the Catalyst was, it was sort of multifaceted with, you know what was going on nationally, and with Damien, and then just everybody's how profoundly affected everybody was, mm. and mm. just the support, the lack of support systems in place.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, sadly, I don't think that's a uh, a unique storyline. Realistically, it's no. um, you know, the the tragedy that strikes, and and you know, I think everyone feels that lack of lack of support and lack of. You know, preventative act activity and actions prior yeah. to, um, yeah.
0: But it's also yeah, and it's a lot of them are also to do with culture within services, mm. and because um, uh, first, first one organisations are notorious for having poor cultures, yeah, and they're very much each young to get ahead sort of mentality. It's really competitive. You're also full of a heap of leaders because you want leaders in those roles yeah. and it can be quite, at times, can be quite toxic. And I think I I could see just from my role nationally that everywhere had problems. Yeah. just It was just, yeah, it was really quite profound when you go to a national scale to see that, no, it's not just my service that has issues, it's yeah. pretty much everywhere.
1: Yeah, that's right and it's certainly i know my uh my friends from ambulance like new south wales ambulance service certainly talk about the hurdles of uh the the cultural issues that they've faced and and not not just the work pressures of doing a tough job um yeah. you know but it's you know everything compounding that like that it's just such a compounding factor to a whole bunch of other pressures that the you know the average average ambo has to face it's a, it's a real thing yeah
0: absolutely and i've And, like, you can't lay this all at the feet of that mental management because I know they cop a lot of stuff Mm. as well and it's, you know, they don't necessarily have the training or the knowledge or the expertise to be able to deal with what's going on on the road and, like, whether they know how to be a good manager or know how to manage their stress and their emotions. So it's because you talk to people and they blame, there's lots of blame. There really shouldn't be because Mm. I think everyone sort of struggles with knowing how to do it and um, learn and understand what are the best outcomes for that. And I think that's where the Senate inquiry was really important and the recommendations to give people evidence-based knowledge and stuff like that. But, yeah, unfortunately much of that hasn't happened.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that's the sad uh, sad outcome of that isn't it it's uh, yeah. some really good information in that senate inquiry but not a lot being done about it so the the loss of your friend in 2016 like timing wise it was obviously around about an anniversary time that you spoke to senator Urquhart um yes. the following year how, what can you just talk us through how that discussion at a christmas party evolved into a an actual Senate inquiry, like, uh, like, that just seems quite hard to believe that you've, yeah. you know, had a chat over a, over a beer and a sausage sandwich at a, at a Christmas party and, <laughs> uh, you know, I, yeah. I, ha, talk us through how that happened. Uh,
0: yeah. So it is a little bit more complex than that. I'm sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, I mentioned that to her. She was pretty busy at the time. Obviously everyone wants to talk to her. Um, but she said, send me a letter. Right. Telling me what you want what 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 you want to do. And so I wrote her a letter outlining my concerns for first responders and communications officers. Like it's communications are always forgotten. And yeah. you know, it's not like and they they know that they're forgotten, but they hear some horrific stuff. I couldn't think of anything worse than, you know, sitting on the end of the phone hearing someone dying on the yeah. end of a phone and you're desperately trying to get a crew there, uh, I couldn't do that. So I wrote her a letter and went in and had a meeting with her and from then um, she went back to Canberra. It took, it's t- it took a few months uh, obviously because it's yeah. um, <clears throat> you've got to get all your ducks in a row. So she went to yeah, Canberra, yeah. had some conversations and during that time her one of her staffers, Matt Nesham, and I wrote the Terms of reference for the inquiry so because we just wanted to encompass everybody, wanted everybody to have an opportunity to speak and be safe to be able to have that conversation and to put in their thoughts and feelings. So we did that and she kept having her conversations up in Canberra and then on I think it was 27th of March uh, 2018 it got accepted by the Senate and off it went. It was unexpected to be as big as what it was. Right. They were only, they only allocated two hearing days, one in Brisbane and one in Hobart. They had to do six. It just ended up, they had over 160 submissions they, and it wasn't just first responders. Like there's a quite a lot on the, if you look at the submission list, yeah. quite a lot of confidential ones because people, because yeah. yeah. that, you know, that culture of is it going to stop my career progression? Is it going to do that sort of stuff? Absolutely. Um But there were like Beyond Blue, Phoenix, Australia, Black Dog, the Royal College of Psychiatrists. Like it was enormous. So they had to really – it was an inquiry they thought that was going to be over in a couple of months ended up taking like two years.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's a a good point that you've made about the confidential submissions in there because I think that's twofold, isn't it? Like there's always that risk of speaking out and being that identity that's – vocal in an organization and like you've talked about the culture of emergency service organizations and I think they're probably all pretty similar if you get a target on yourself look out and uh you know your life as you knew it is going to be different um but then you've also got that other factor of talking out about mental health related issues from a personal point of view can also be career limiting um and and it's not just people um making that up or uh thinking that i think that's the reality sadly still that it can be career limiting depending upon what your role is and um yeah so i can i could when i looked at that list actually i wasn't surprised i was surprised there wasn't more confidential ones to be honest yeah. with you um but wow what a uh, what a thing to have watched unfold for you though from you oh, know going huge. through that you know really rough time with your friend and colleague, but uh, to watch something actually be done positively off the back of you know that conversation that you had.
0: Yeah, it was it was kind of positive and kind of negative as well. So yeah, right. I initially did this anonymously because I didn't want to be, you know, right. I just wanted it to happen for, for first responders. Like yep. I didn't. I wasn't. I'm not here for me. Um, it's a hundred percent. I wanted. I just wanted people to get help, you know. Like people are suffering, and it's including the people who've left services as well. You know, there's very little follow up on those people, and none,
1: mostly. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. And then, but that's that—that's career stuff. What about the volunteers? They just stop turning up. Who supports them? You know, like, and they could be—they could suicide, you know, three years down the track, and people just—it's just. like, you know, it's a suicide and really yeah. it could have been from what they were exposed to and it's yeah. like not getting picked up and that that worries me and it's really, i really wanted to try and make change so that we can protect all of these people that are just struggling by they're trying to help others and they're getting damaged in the process. Yeah. And it just, yeah, so I tried to do it anonymously and probably a couple of months in to the inquiry starting Anne rang me and she said, you're going to have to um, do something with some media or something to say what you've done because other yep. people are trying to take credit for the work you've done with this inquiry.
1: Yeah, well, that's no surprise, is it?
0: No. So <laughs> They wouldn't
1: have regardless. tried to take credit if it didn't go well, but, yeah, if it starts yeah. to go well, everyone wants their name on it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why
0: in the in the actual document, it mentions me a couple of times as an individual who set it up. So yeah, right. they deliberately put that in there because of the amount of people trying to take credit for it (laughs) anyway so but that was fraught with its own sort of danger i i I did it like obviously because everyone knows i've done it um but it wasn't received well particularly with my colleagues um they very unsupported like had very little support um a lot of hate a lot of yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a pleasant time um, right. because people were hurting and people didn't want they I think they saw me trying to you know do something off the death of Damien, which is not well. It sort of is because I wanted to help everyone.
1: Yeah, but they
0: sort of took it the wrong way. They they're better about it now. They see why it was done now. But it was a good twelve months of really hard time. Right. I, I do have to have a shout out to the CEO of Ambulance Victoria. Tony Walker, he was a fantastic support through this. Um, but and I got a lot of support from other people, like the PA board were excellent, particularly Neil Noble from Queensland. All these other people outside my own service were really supportive, but here yeah, it was it was really difficult. And it's taken time for them to see that this was about them, that wasn't about me. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Actually, um, you, your shout out to the uh, CEO of Ambulance Victoria. That he he must be an amazing person because I've I like I'm I'm not in those circles at all. But I, that that name keeps coming up actually around this topic, and uh, and it's all good. Like it, yeah. uh, I only ever hear that name when it's associated with you know pr- progressive actions, um, and and yeah. actually genuine like genuine attempts to improve stuff so absolutely tony's
0: an absolute legend in this field Yeah, and he cares about people and Mm. i think that that is underlies everything he's done and i think yeah he's retired now which is a loss
1: yeah right okay um yeah that is a loss actually if you're not in that position of influence but um it's interesting what you said about you know people that spend their life helping others but then feeling quite, uh, I guess, lost when it's time for them to get a bit of help themselves. Because I I know, uh, you know, personally for me, that's the one thing I've really grappled with is actually, you know, when you spend a career in a a role that's 100% – you know, focused on that issue. And then, you you know, you have these hurdles thrown at you that you never expect, you never ask for, and you don't want, but it's time to get some help. And then that help is really problematic. I think that that is that, that point you made for a lot of people is really tricky to, well, it's impossible to to balance in your own mind when when I think you've spent that much time of your own career helping other people and then you actually put your hand up finally and go actually you know what I'm not okay anymore I need some help and that helps either not there or really really uh awkward <laughs> yeah. uh yeah that's a that's a real that's a real problem
0: and I think we also because we spend so much time helping others we neglect ourselves
1: yeah and absolutely
0: we miss those early signs that we are struggling. And it's like when I explain to people, like they'll work with something, they go, Oh, they're having a bad day. And it's like, But is it a bad day? are they Is yeah. it just one day where they're not having a good day? Yeah. Or is it because they're working with different people every day? Everyone's going, Oh, they had a bad day. <laughs> Maybe they're having a lot of bad days. A perpetual bad day. <laughs> exactly. And it's not getting picked up. And we are really bad at. Our self awareness yeah. of how we're traveling, and because we just give so much and want to help other people so much, that we do neglect ourselves.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, and I think everyone gets consumed in their own little world too. Uh, mm. You know, in that work environment, and and as like as you pointed out, you know, <laughs> the uh, that mindset of eating your eating your own young to get ahead—it's—it's it's, uh, you know that's a that's a reality for some people, and you know, unfortunately, when you know if your managers are that way inclined they're not going to be wanting to slow down to you know to help you if it's going to slow them down and mm-hmm. you know that's unfortunately the reality oh, and exactly. and a lot of people in in those positions of management or you know leadership have you know often affected themselves in emergency services roles that's the other problem I think that uh, yeah. you know they they're probably only they've gone into coping mode a long time ago themselves and uh, you know they're not able to offer help to other people around them because they're they're struggling themselves, and that that's a that's a problem within itself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so we think it's hard to reach out for help. Imagine how hard it is for them to reach out for help.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So
0: and then what is there to reach out to? And yeah. like and that's just within a service that does have um, mechanisms in place like critical incident stress management and EAP and things like that. What about the people who have left? How do they reach out? Yeah. Like, it's just, and it's, it's really complex.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's something that hit me really hard, actually. I didn't, I didn't realise how bad the support was once you've actually been medically retired, yeah. uh, particularly for your family and that, you know, like, there's, there's a lot of lip service paid to the importance of family, the family unit and, and support of, you know, them, but also their role in supporting whoever's struggling. But, gee, there's not a lot around for them. And no. You know, a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of these big uh, big name uh, NGO type support organisations are not, you know, the inference is there that they're there to help those sort of peripheries of, of people struggling. But they're just, they're not funded for it and they won't do it. No, exactly. And that's, uh, and then, yeah. that's, that's a problem, you know. Yeah,
0: and it's, it's interesting. you're saying that's just reminded me of the government response to the inquiry, which came out a year after the report was brought down.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and which oh, I don't know why I, it took a year because they didn't do much. My- <laughs> no, <laughs> and all they
0: did was put it in with the bushfires yeah. and put first responders in with the funding for the yeah. um, the bushfires. It's like, no, first responders need something different and they need something yeah. separate that supports them and their families not to be thrown in with... Into um, an event.
1: Yeah. Into an
0: event, exactly, yeah. and I, I think that's because... The government was getting a lot of pressure from that event because you know, yeah. the prime minister went away, all that sort of stuff, and so they just put it all into there, and it was the most frustrating response I've ever yeah. read to anything. It's yeah. like they did not read the report,
1: uh, absolutely, and,
0: and yeah. nothing in there was supporting first responders. It was all just lumping us in with the public, and we're not the same as the public.
1: Yeah, no, it's, so and and it's a, a bit different bit ongoing issue. It's not, <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's real. Like I, my wife was trying to put that jigsaw puzzle together that, that you're talking about after she got access to all the documents and asked for information from our uh, local federal uh, our federal member locally and the response we got back from them was just uh, a <laughs> port like it was uh, i couldn't believe it when i looked at it like they, they were basically referencing media articles to say that they'd done something about it but couldn't even find their own outcome like the, the own their product own of what they were saying yeah. they were saying oh here's a media article about what we've done we're well, like <laughs> I don't care what you put in the paper. I want to see what you actually did, and they they, they can't find it. There's and nothing, because it, nothing's, not there. yeah, no. nothing's been done. Yeah, nothing's been done.
0: Yeah, Because, in fact, um, some of the recommendations reference COAG. Um, by the time they'd done their report, they'd already disbanded COAG.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're like... <laughs> well, in New South Wales here, there was a budget estimates hearing oh, towards the end of last year, and... The commissioners of the agencies were asked certain information about, you know, pretty much loosely aligned with some of the some of the issues that we're we're facing through the inaction of that Senate report, and sadly, you know, your reference to the bushfire event, a lot of the improvements in their their own policies and systems that they were referencing had only come about because they were given money from the bushfire, uh, the the overall sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose, funding for the bushfire, 1920 bushfire event. And, you know, as you said, this is not about that one event. This is about ongoing, like a systemic, historic and ongoing problem. And the only reason they were able to do a little bit about it and the only reason they were able to answer some of the questions with any sort of (laughs) uh, substance was because they could reference actions that they'd done in response to the bushfire event and and exactly the same i'm i've read that transcript and went what what is that waffle like it's crazy that and, and it's also sad that regardless of that bad bushfire event they knew about all these problems and they were either not willing or not able to do anything to implement improvements to what they knew was broken and you know, the acknowledgement of all of the commissioners were, you know, was you know apparent in saying, you know, we know what we ask people to do damages them, yep. um, but it's it's pretty sad when you see them spending millions of dollars on, you know, single use things and, and and you know programs that you think, wow, you, you've got to be kidding me, you've just thrown a whole bucket load of money at that, yet you got people falling off the perch left, right, and center, and there's nothing for them.
0: And the irony and, uh, is that those bushfires have happened at the end of 2019. This inquiry report came out at the beginning of 2019. So yeah. it's not as though they weren't aware. Yeah,
1: that's Governments right. Governments yeah. were
0: fully aware of what was happening.
1: Yeah, and I think that some of the um, some of the content of this budget estimates hearing, you know, the commissioners are well aware of the problems, you know, historically, didn't do anything about it until they got given a bucket load of cash for yeah. that event. But you know that's you know anyway we'll we'll be here all day if we keep going on this.
0: We will, and we'll be very Um, frustrated. Yeah,
1: (laughs) I'll be changing over from coffee shortly to something else if (laughs) I keep doing that. But anyway, um, yeah, look. So I I suppose from the from the heart to heart walk perspective, you you know, even though a lot of what we're doing is directly referenced and linked to the Senate uh, report that you know was was initiated by a conversation that you had. But um, I, I think you know, you know, just just shedding light on those problems, regardless of the Senate inquiry, is is a good thing. And you've obviously done a lot of work with your board roles and and different, uh, you know, union roles that you've you've got trying to work on that particular issue. Um, aside from that, so is there any is there any one thing that you can think of that uh, I guess I don't know. Is is there any one part of this big puzzle that you focus on more than others, or is there Um, you know, a particular standout thing that is a bit of a bee in your bonnet that you've you've locked onto to try and fix?
0: Um, I think fortunately in Tasmania we already have this, but I think it needs, and there's a couple of other states that do too, I think a a big barrier is the workers' compensation process and um, because it's adversarial and you have to continually Mm. relive your, your trauma um, to go to IMEs or independent medical examiners and things like that. I think yeah. the presumptive PTSD legislation is probably one of the most important things. Tassie has it. I think that it's that's It's only you in
1: Queensland, I think.
0: Yeah. So yeah. I think that's something that should be nationally rolled out because the Beyond Blue research showed that if yeah. you, like, it, it doesn't take much for you to be damaged and yeah. once you're 10 years within a service... The likelihood of you having a mental injury yeah. is significantly higher than the general public, and it should be presumed that it was your job that caused
1: yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. So that was the was the implementation of the presumptive legislation in Tassie linked or, or as a result of the Senate inquiry, or was that already in train before that?
0: Uh, there was already stuff being done. So the opposition were pushing quite hard, for, along with uh, the Health and Community Services Union, but pushing yep. quite hard. I think what happened was the Senate inquiry sort of they put this through before the recommendations were brought down. So I right. think it was a bit of a kick up the bum, so to speak. Yeah,
1: okay. Yeah. Right. And
0: they went, Oh, we probably should do something because this I think they I think they thought the Senate inquiry was going to be quite damning, which it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um so like kudos for them and the opposition and the HACSU for working really hard to get the government to realise that yeah. this is a priority. So they rolled that out a couple of years ago.
1: And and uh, I, I suppose you, in your role you would have seen quite a few people leave the ambulance service. Have you, I don't, I don't know, have you noticed a, a, an improvement in their pathway, I guess, in the workers' compensation system or have you had any anecdotal feedback, I guess, to, to link better outcomes as a result of that legislation change?
0: Um, I think it's a lot less adversarial from what I can gather for mm. people with mental injuries. But the hard thing is a lot of the people who go off don't want to talk to anybody from work yeah, and it takes yeah. a long time for them to be ready to speak to people from work because um, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it ties it all in. So um, we've got quite a few people off with mental injury at the moment on long-term workers' comp but they have distanced themselves from yeah, yeah. the work. and that's understandable. So, yeah, Yeah, so it's really hard to really gauge where that falls because the ones that I um know quite well who left a while ago. They're now at that stage where they're um back to talking to people from work and right. things like that and re-engaging But they weren't under the presumptive part of that oh, legislation. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, it's so new. So I think it's pretty much it. Yeah, actually, yeah in the scheme years. of a
1: workers compensation claim, that's that is new, isn't it? Because it yeah. takes so long.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, so it's, so it's certainly
1: something we don't have in New South Wales. Like there there's no presumptive legislation here and, and you know I've you know been through it in the last couple of years 2021 um and yeah it's proper adversarial it's horrid and and ironically in new south wales the the system is called eye care and there is (laughs) there is no care in this system there's no trauma informed anything about this system uh at all the only the only little giggle i have to myself about the name I Care because i'd cry otherwise but they actually make toilet paper and tissues uh, a company called I Care, uh, uh-huh. and it's in the supermarkets now <laughs>
0: oh, <yeah. laughs> and i laugh
1: about it every time i go yeah yeah they actually yeah they should merge them together and they're about the same i think but anyway yeah. <laughs> it's really i, I guess from an from my perspective in new south wales it's it, it's hope it it's not enlightening but it, it gives you a little bit of hope to know that another state has adopted it and it's had some you know anecdotal improvements to the system but you know it's it's but one it's mm-hmm. but one stepping stone and one starting point isn't it to getting yeah. getting the system better
0: exactly because there's they haven't done everything else like a national register for um mental health professionals that are you know trained specifically yeah. in this area like all, most of the other recommendations nothing's happened there's been no yeah. conversation nationally With all the premiers, like at the national cabinet, there's like there's nothing there. Nothing with the health ministers. There's none of the other recommendations have been followed through.
1: And some of that stuff can't can't be that hard. Like to have a national register, they have national registers for all sorts of things. It can't be that hard for people to identify themselves as you know appropriately trained for that purpose. Exactly. And you know I I put my name up on there. And the other the other thing that you talked about a little while back too is the statistical. You know the the statistical issue on current and more more importantly former members and the effect of their service on them is just not captured at all. And you know, realistically, it's a it's a blind guess to wonder how much or how many people are out there um, struggling and or worse um, as a result that's directly linked back to their work, but. Unfortunately, very and very conveniently for those responsible for it, is never known.
0: Exactly, and that's what really worries me because that with the all the suicide data and things like that, it would be interesting to know the history of the people because they only really target what they're doing now. So yeah. you know, Joe Bloggs could have taken his own life. Yeah. Um, and he's a gardener. Yeah, occupation whereas, gardener. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> whereas 10 years ago, he was a paramedic. Yeah, for 30 years. Exactly. And he's, been, exactly, <laughs> and he's right. been struggling for that for the last 10 years. Yeah. yeah. And I think if there was more sort of investigation into stuff, I think it might be quite profound the history yeah. that people have had and what they've done yeah. and how I think it's much more pervasive than what we think
1: it is. Absolutely yeah and what and I guess you know for, I, I don't know what it's like in other states and I have mentioned this once before I think to uh, Billy Brooks but it, it's frustrating to know well to, to to see the inaction on that when in New South Wales the New South Wales government does a people matters employee survey thing once every two years I think it is and part of that you know it's, it's literally a, a scorecard I guess to how different departments and different agencies are doing and and how obviously how some of the senior executives are performing in relation to their key performance areas, and one of the th- one of the questions in that very long survey that everyone has to do every now and then is, were you a former defence member? You know, w- were you were previously serving in defence before your role in New South Wales government? And that's purely to tick some KPI box of some executive director saying that they're right. actively employing veterans to New South Wales government roles, but. You know, I, th- I find that really hard to grapple with because they, they can get that happening to prove someone's performance in their role and their contract. But for things like <laughs> linking people suiciding to service uh, in, an, in a gov- like a state government entity, they can't be bothered asking the questions.
0: That's right. And it's interesting because the veterans are tracked. As soon as they leave, they are tracked. Yeah, and yeah. Any, if they have a suicide 20 years after they leave it's still they're a veteran but yeah. there's nothing for first responders it's, it's not and
1: there.
0: and it's really frustrating because veterans and first responders aren't that different you know we go through trauma you exposed to stuff and it's just interesting that the first responders are just sort of forgotten granted there's a lot more of us and it would be harder to manage but Yeah, the the veteran community and the veteran, all the support they have and the tracking of where they go and where they end up proves that they can do it.
1: Yeah, exactly. They
0: just need to put the systems in place for first responders and it's not just, you know, police, fire, ambulance, SES, it's the communication stuff. It's surf lifesavers. Yeah. It's all those types of people that put themselves out there in times of, like, of not only need but of just high stress yeah, and exposure. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you're you're very right because, like, you talk about those forgotten entities, and the, there's so many of them that are involved in things like even uh, even going back to my sort of back my background, where you would sometimes for large search operations or really complex uh, technical remote area jobs, you would be involving all sorts of volunteer little little volunteer group members from from certainly not sanctioned emergency service organizations to assist in those things and you know unfortunately sometimes they're involved in you know locating and or extracting Mm -hmm. you know deceased persons um you know all sorts of things like they have even been involved in the jobs uh you know has that peripheral effect and you know they just they they would never be considered to be involved formally involved and And it's
0: funny you should say that because uh, back to my wymeranders. I'll talk about them until <laughs> t- the cows come home. Um, so I do track and search with my wymeranders, right. uh, like like it's uh, like trialing and things like that. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. when there's people missing, they do contact uh, the track and search clubs for a dog yeah. to come out and and have a look. And I, like for me, that that would be fine because you know this is my job is yeah. surrounded by that. But some of these people that have never seen a dead body in their life go yeah. and you know, use their dog to find something, it worries me the trauma that they feel. It's just as you said, what happens with them? What support do they get? Because yeah. it's not something that they're expecting. So well, we expect it. But it's not something they're expecting. So yeah. it's, you're right, it, there are a lot of forgotten people who volunteer to help out.
1: Yeah, throughout that's right.
0: Goodwill, yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, and not like I've got, I got a good bait of mine that's, you know, spent his life in motorbike racing and you know even he is a you know peripheral first aider has responded to some horrendous accidents and stuff you know but he's not he's not even thought of in the scheme of Pretty cool to uh, to think where this actually started from. You know, your single conversation with the right person, um, albeit uh, off the back of something horrendous. But you know, f- for that to have happened, and all of these people coming together in Parliament House to actually start the, this long walk, this journey to to yes. actually you know continue to raise awareness back to this unactioned report that you know you were the catalyst for. It's it's pretty cool. Look. Yeah.
0: Oh, it's awesome. I'm really, even though it's had its trials and tribulations throughout the couple of years, I'm really proud that I stepped up. And,
1: yeah, yeah, you should and, be.
0: I'm uh, super proud. I'm super yeah. glad that you guys are doing what you're doing to try and get this recognition of this report out there because yeah. I, I don't want it to be forgotten. And I know that Anne makes a point of any. Senate inquiry that's on that involves anything to do with first responders, like anything, even if it's something minor, she makes a point of going along and pushing this inquiry as much as she can so it's not forgotten and so it's laced through all other inquiries that it's there and it's important and it needs to be actioned on.
1: Yeah, well, she's obviously put a lot of time and effort into it herself personally too. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's good to see that she's uh, not paying lip service to it and doing the political you know, the political spin that suits the agenda of the day over it. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely.
0: She's very genuine about it. And it's interesting because people are a bit blown away, you know, oh, you've got a Senate inquiry on this huge thing and they're like, I could never do that. And it's like, yeah, you can. Yeah. You just need to have conversations with people. Have a chat. Like they people are scared to contact their local member or yeah. their senators and things like that. They're just people. They're there yeah. to represent you. You elected them. And yeah. – Go and have a have a talk, have a conversation, and get involved. Even if it's like you don't have to join a political party, you can just get involved in some yeah. way. Volunteer to help; it all makes a huge difference. And meeting those people and getting those connections helps you be able to move forward and get a Senate inquiry. Yeah, like absolutely. the day the Senate inquiry went through the Senate, um, there was actually a couple outside with a little sign wanting a Senate inquiry into um, police suicides. Right. And and because they didn't know how you should go about it. Like, I didn't know either, but I just happened to ask a senator what to do. So it's, yeah, I think people really should just, if they want want action, they need to go and talk to their their government member because that's where it comes from. It doesn't come, like, all of this Senate inquiry stuff needs to come from the government. and. You need to talk to your member and show them that this is important. And it's not just important for first responders, but it's important for the public. Because if we have well first responders, that means they're performing at their best, they're not stressed, they're not tired, they're not, you know, anxious, all that other stuff that goes with it. And they're out there to help you. And I think it's really important for that awareness and reminder of governments that, you know, these are the people that keep this country alive and safe.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good lens to put over it. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's what that's what they're all there for in the first place, isn't it?
0: Yeah. yeah. As you can see I'm still really passionate about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm absolutely. trying really hard
0: not to get angry because it makes me angry that so little's been done and I was yeah. glad that we had a change of government because that means that we can start yeah. to actually start pushing again because that government response was woeful. It was, yeah.
1: It was and that, offensive. And that's not the
0: language I used yeah. and sent it to me the day before it came out. Right. And she said, I want your opinion on it. And I read it and I said, <laughs> would you like how I feel now or a measured response? And she goes, no, I want how you feel now. And she actually read yeah. it in, in Parliament. Really? Um, without the swearing um, because I was so angry. It was so disappointing. Yeah. And we just needed a change of government to be able to start to have conversation again because they basically just donald that report was yeah, just a stone wall for just it. And it, it. Yeah, yeah, they didn't care, and it showed they didn't yeah. care. And mm-hmm. and I was just, I was absolutely heartbroken because of all the work that went in, and all the people that shared their stories and put yeah. themselves at risk and put their mental health at risk and came and yeah. spoke. Like I listened to every single hearing, and you can just hear the like, the suffering of people. Yeah, and like all these people came forward, and them to just, just disregard it. Oh. Uh, Angry. Yeah, it still makes wrong, me angry yeah. now. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because people and what, what you so were much.
1: saying too about, you know, people just need to speak up and speak to the right people. I mean, my wife has been ferocious in her, you know, uh, I suppose quest to fix some of the issues that we've faced as a family. And yeah. she's now getting people from, you know, chiefs of staff and ministers' offices and things like that, asking her questions like, have you done this on your own or who do who who do you know because they can't believe how much traction she's got uh between different uh portfolios of government both in in and in opposition talking about the issue of the lack of uh the presumptive legislation in new south wales and how broken the the uh workers compensation system is for for first responders but it's just that i think it's her relentless push to try and make people have hard discussions and and you know she doesn't do it on purpose but a lot of the people that she ends up telling you know a fairly emotive story to end up you know pretty rocked after she's finished with them but she won't let them hang up she says no no you are going to listen to this because this is in a portfolio you're responsible for and you know if everyone has that attitude of oh this is too hard I don't want to hear about it then nothing ever happens so
0: exactly but the um, precedence is set yeah. Look at the other two states
1: that have it. I know. Yeah, that's what we that's what she's doing at the moment. She's going you've got to be kidding me like it's being adopted in other jurisdictions in a, in our own country, let alone the international, you know, uh, Exactly. the the, the amazing stuff that Canada. Yeah, that's yep. right. I've just but learned did about. Did you know how that they flew
0: out from Canada to come and talk at the first hearing? Fair dinkum. So, two guys from Canada put in submissions. And they flew out for that first hearing just to speak on this. It was that they tried to get that seriously. Wow! So, so all the transcripts are up there. I think it's uh, Ken Block, and I can't remember the other guy's name. Um, but it's all there about them. They and they wanted. They just want first responders to be,
1: yeah, like, to have yeah. the
0: support. And they. And it's another
1: Commonwealth country, for God's sake! Like exactly. Seriously. If you exactly. can't, like, it's not like it's something that we've got no association or no connection to. It's like it is Canada. It's a exactly. Commonwealth country.
0: Yep, and <sighs> I was just so blown Like, I sent a message to Anne during during the um, hearing. I said, oh, my God, have they literally flown out from Canada? And she's like, yeah, and she mentioned it to them in the hearing that yeah. the person who started the inquiry was incredibly impressed that they flew out. Yeah. But that's just how serious other countries are taking this. And we yeah. need our country to be taking this seriously. We need to be looking after the people that look after the general public. Yeah. Like, and, it's, and I think, you know, because people say all the time, oh, I couldn't do your job or you must see some horrible things and all these other yeah. uh, words of platitude and things like that. Meaningless. If that, if you cared, you'd be fighting for these people to be supported. Mm. And I think it's just a lack of awareness from people who aren't involved in the area for the lack of support that mm. we all have. And even like in government, they I, I get it, we're like not big agencies usually um, mm. compared to like health systems and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's not something they, it's in the forefront of their mind, but I think we need to keep pushing them for them to realise that these roles are, can be very, very damaging. And the Beyond Blue research, we've had 23,000 people respond, exactly. showed that. And that's yeah. like the biggest um, cohort of first responders ever in a survey yeah. and there's still data there that they're still working on because there was just so much data so that much, they got
1: yeah.
0: and it's just, and sadly
1: just, years a lot years down the track you you ask what's being done about some of those exactly. recommendations in that report too and that you just yeah. get crickets
0: yeah yeah exactly That's just they go oh that's lovely and it just sort of gets pushed yeah. aside for the next big thing and yeah. if we put these things in place it's there won't be a next big, big, big thing, and if there is a big thing, the support's already there, and it'll yeah. run better and it'll function better, and people yeah. will, be, will be healthier at the end of yeah. it. And I don't think the big picture is being looked at. It's about the outcome. It's not about you know, oh well, you. Know, it's really hard to, for the like recommendation too, for them to collect data for people who've left the service yeah. for ten years. It's like, well, no. You do that with veterans, let's do that with yeah. this just, and just see what we can do it. to make a difference. Yeah. It's it's not
1: if they did a long term costing on it, they'd realise they should be.
0: <laughs> it will be cheaper. And all of this would be cheaper if they put it in because they yeah. would have, you know, it's preventative, not reactive. Yeah, exactly. And that's yeah. what we need is preventative. Yeah.
1: Everyone else involved in this walk is uh, similarly driven, and uh, yeah, you're in good company with us. So uh, (laughs) let's let's, uh, let it uh, out.
0: Keep me in the loop of what's going on, and and if anything I can do, please let me know. Because obviously, this is I'm still having conversations. I'm still writing letters. I wrote letters to the premier here; he didn't respond. And it's been mentioned that this was last year, May last year. I wrote him a letter, um, and it's come up six times in state parliament. The opposition have asked him he's responded to my letter about the recommendations has not um so yeah it's we need to keep pushing everyone we all need to work together and yeah it's happening
1: yeah there, there has to be a collective portion you know yeah. a demand fix it we're all here for each other we know enough about it now to, just to get on with it
0: exactly anyway. exactly
1: all right, look, thanks very much for your time and very much for your uh, actions back in 2017. You know, that's uh, ultimately, uh, I guess, what's drawn everybody that's involved in this walk together now. So, yeah, look at look at what's happened all these years down the track. But I'll give you a call when I've got my blisters and ask what I should do. About no worries, <laughs> I'll happily take your call. I'm very
0: proud that you guys are doing this. Like, I'm proud of what I've done. Like, it's really...
1: Yeah, you should. It's be.
0: awesome, and it's awesome that you guys are also taking this super seriously, and it yeah. and it matters, and it yeah matters to everyone.
1: Yeah, and we're not we we're not going to let it go. It's uh yeah, it's too important.
0: Excellent. Well, I'll keep fighting down here.
1: Yeah, good. Yeah, well, we've got we've got the borders covered now. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, look, thanks again for your time. And before you go, uh, I ask as many people as I can remember to ask. But what have you got a song that you can give us to put on the the walkers playlist? So we're after songs that are suitable for that 39th kilometre of the 40 kilometre walking day when you're looking down the barrel of a big hill. And what would you put on to get up that hill?
0: No leaf clover.
1: No leaf clover, Metallica.
0: Yeah,
1: Metallica, yep. The the, the power song. Right, oh, cool look, thanks again for your time. Appreciate it.
0: Anytime. Happy to I talk know. and um, I look forward to hearing how it all goes.
1: Yeah, we'll keep, you in, we'll keep you in the loop for sure.
0: Awesome. Thank you. You've been listening to the Heart to Heart Foundation podcast. People on their own journey for the awareness and mental health in our first responders. Thanks for listening and please remember to support our foundation by going to the webpage at www.hearttoheartwalk.org. That's www.heart the number 2 heartwalk.org or just google it.